In times of turmoil, switch to stable coins, they say. How important are stable coins to the overall crypto market? Is Tether a placeholder for a US digital dollar? And how much transparency are we seeing from Tether today? Welcome to Word on the Block, the series that takes a deeper dive into blockchain and the emerging technologies that shape our world at the intersection of business, politics, and economy. It's what we cover right here on Forecast News. I'm Forecast Editor-in-Chief Angie Lau. Well, it's been about three months since crypto exchange Bitfinex and its sister firm Tether settled with the New York Attorney General for $18.5 million. Since then, the world's largest stablecoin, Tether's USDT, has exploded in growth, almost doubling in market cap and expanding to various blockchains, including the recently announced Avalanche. Bitfinex and Tether have taken some steps to provide transparency since the New York case closed, including a recently released report of its reserves. Now, some say Tether is the most important factor that could sway market sentiment. Tether reveals for the first time the reserve uh, it has in settling with the New York Attorney General, revealing what Tether is really backed by. And it's not only the dollar. Bitfinex CTO Paolo Aroino joins Forecast right now for his first on-camera interview since the release. And Paolo, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. Thank you very much, Angie, for having me today. It's really an, an opportunity, I think, to answer very candidly. Uh, and we're going to give you the opportunity to do that. This is going to be a very candid and, and transparent conversation. Uh, so we appreciate it. And uh, let's get things on the record. Um, and, and starting from when Bitfinex was born here in Asia, as we've, we've uh, you know, monitored uh, and paid close attention to Bitfinex, uh, very much part of the community, born in Hong Kong in 2012, and then registered offshore British Virgin Islands. But where is Bitfinex all based now? So uh, we decided to uh, bring Bitfinex to be a decentralized company. So, you know, Bitcoin and is the reason why we are all here, right? Is, um, is what really started this industry, if we can call that now. And um, we believe that uh, going to full decentralized as a company um, is a way to be truth to Bitcoin itself. So uh, we started, well, Bitfinex started in 2012 with uh, two or three people, right? So it was really, really tiny exchange. And uh, it grew uh, quite a lot, uh, especially in the last few years. But uh, we thought that um, maintaining uh, this level of decentralization, basically not having offices, and uh, uh, it would allow us to... Um, to promote diversity in the company, to promote uh, cultural um, inclusion, and uh, also allows us to grow better. And of course, since we are a global business, to cover better the 24 hours. So, um, you know, we when we did took this, this decision, it was uh, many years ago, and in a world um, where the pandemic makes uh, lockdowns unpredictable, uh, now it turned out to be the right choice. We are seeing many other companies that are uh, following following our steps now, and um, 
I can say that although a um, uh, few of our um, uh, guys and girls that work with us have been affected personally, um, they uh, the the overall ability of the company to to handle the situation was uh, was quite good uh, given our history of being fully decentralized. Decentralized is uh, one thing for for a decentralized workforce, and we, you're absolutely right. We are all that these days, but when you are a market cap. Uh, exchange of $60 billion, um, you know, for those wondering where jurisdictionally uh, Bitfinex lies and uh, on a, a regulatory kind of a framework, why British Virgin Islands? So um, British Virgin Islands is, uh, um, is just a place that uh, have uh, the, the right amount of uh, regulations that have good bankings. I have, that does, doesn't have uh, tier one banks, of course, but has um, banks big enough to support uh, the growth of Bitfinex and Tether, right? So especially you have to think about that fact that uh, we moved there when we, we didn't have 60 billion under management. So of course, um, things are growing. We are opening more uh, bank accounts. We are more uh, opening more relationship with the banks across the world, of course, now. But when we uh, moved there, uh, we were smaller, both as an exchange as a and a stable coin. Do you think that will ever change? I mean, as we've seen the industry grow, you know, a, a lot of uh, jurisdictions like BVI, like Caymans, like Seychelles, um, uh, all of that, Malta, you know, Gibraltar, the, these, these kind of smaller jurisdictions provided some sort of regulatory framework. Increasingly, we're seeing, you know, people going back to gold standard, um, you know, here in Asia, Hong Kong, Singapore, um, obviously uh, in Europe. Uh, potentially, it could be Switzerland, where you are, um, and then, of course, in in the U.S. Where you know, why not any of these jurisdictions? Do you think there would be a point at some point in your future for Bitfinex and Tether that you would move jurisdictions to to a high, you know, what what is perceived as a, a more international, higher standard of uh, uh, regulatory compliance and, and framework? Well, um, I, I think yes and no, right? So the so we are as a companies we are we are seeing and that there is an increased level of regulations that are being proposed by different countries across the world. And first of all, we welcome those regulations because only with regulations you can get a mature market. So. Uh, the fact that we are um, registered in BVI does not mean that we are not going to apply to get licenses in different jurisdictions, right? So we know that, for example, South Korea, Canada, UK, and all uh, there are plenty of jurisdictions that now are go are setting up a more clear and long-term uh, regulatory framework. So. Um, it's really, it's basically, you cannot choose easily one single place and say, okay, it will be regulated by that specific uh, regulator. You have, if you want to serve customers across the world, especially in two, three, four years, five years from now, you have to apply for multiple licenses, have multiple licenses so that you can ensure that you can 
meet the regulatory requirements in uh, the biggest jurisdictions in the world. And uh, of course, that that you know, let's let's address the elephant in the room, um, the uh, eighteen and a half million dollar settlement signed by the New York Attorney General, uh, where uh, Bitfinex and Tether were under investigation. Uh, and uh, do you see a uh, return to the U.S. and being uh, compliant? I, uh, where many say that Bitfinex and, and Tether uh, got a slap on the wrist. So I think that from a business perspective, right, in the U.S. there are plenty of exchanges and uh, there are plenty of stable coins, right? So it's just from a few days ago that there was a news that the newly rebranded Libra is working with the bank in the U.S., right? So there is right. USDC and then there is Paxos and so on. So from a pure business perspective for us, just mm, I think that the world is uh, big enough for everyone. And uh, I think that we are thriving in markets like Asia and, uh, and um, Europe and, uh, and so on. So um, we don't have in this moment interest of uh, re-entering the U.S. market. I think that uh, we are growing um, in, in, impressively uh, without that. So... Um, we and there is um, for for us is is not um, is not a problem of pride or, or whatever, right? It's just that we if we we if we can grow in the places that we are more familiar uh, in, uh, for us is easier, is faster, and uh, you know competition is always welcome. And uh, um, I think that the U.S. in general is overcrowded, both from the exchange side. You know, you have uh, Gemini, Coinbase, Kraken, Bitstamp, and uh, and uh, uh, Bittrex, and so on. And um, is uh, crowded is becoming a little bit crowded for uh, the stablecoin side as well. So I want to ask you about uh, the the backing. Um, you, originally, it was the uh, the statement from Tether that it was backed by the US dollar one-to-one. -one. What is it actually backed by? It's uh, backed by cash-on-cash uh, -cash equivalents and, uh, and reserves. So, the, so uh, Tether is 100% backed. So it means that we held cash, cash equivalents uh, like uh, um, treasuries and, and uh, things like that. And then we have uh, a percentage in, um, in, um, in uh, precious metals uh, that, um, and, all, and it's important to understand that all this, all this information has been previously shared with, the, uh, with all the regulators we work with, right? So, um, of course, this is the first time we announced it publicly, but was really well known to uh, regulators as well. You got a lot of backlash, a lot of concerns that, uh, uh, you know, uh, one characterized it as a, as a glorified hedge fund. Um, where you know the, the volatility of your portfolio holdings uh, wouldn't necessarily uh, be a, a stable uh, security for for sixty billion dollars worth of market cap. H how do you respond to that? First of all, without having uh, the people cannot really comment on that without having the perfect exact breakdown of 
all the different uh, investments that have been made, right? So without knowing, for example, the um, uh, average cost price of the, um, of the precious metals reserves or without having the uh, breakdown of the commercial papers and so on, it is really, first of all, is unfair, but and uh, you, it, you cannot claim that uh, that there is an issue when you don't have all the details. Of course, people, I think that uh, you know when you become so big, um, you you have to expect some sort of uh, uh, jealousy from from the competition, and it's part of the game. I I I really uh, it's competition and uh, also general you know uh, general public that has to see that's something um, is not right when it's it's actually it right. So for for us, I mean, we have taken more, more steps than anyone else. So we have. Competitors, for example, that have, that, have, that uh, do the same thing uh, and keep their um, reserves in banks that might not be, you know, banks in general might not uh, need to keep certain amount of, uh, um, of of cash in the bank, or they can actually provide loans outside, right? So the fact that we have full control of our reserves and we are public about the, um, the allocation is something that is unmatched. And uh, I understand, I mean, I, I understand the competition. Um, I understand uh, um, uh, haters. Honestly, we don't care too much, right? So we did many steps. We are going to do additional steps. We are working towards an audit. We are um, we are discussing with more and more regulators. Um, believe it or not, well, um, it, I would say that is pretty clear. The fact that we are so open is really bringing us a ton of business and is opening us many more doors. And all these these uh, new counterparties, of course, are questioning and are asking, right? And uh, we we never encounter a problem when we disclose our uh, our details. So I. I... Why not be a little bit more detailed if if people don't have the full picture, the full story or the full details? Why not share it? Well, it, I think that uh, a part of it is that, first of all, uh, things can change rapidly. And um, um, so we uh, we roll over uh, certain investments in uh, also uh, commercial paper keep uh, keep getting roll over and and so on right so is um, I, I think that um, not so we and also if you share too many details you give uh, you out your secret sauce right so there is a plenty of competitors that want to know how we do it we do things right if we we grew so much and you know one important thing is. We we kept the, we published this uh, we published this information right and yes there was some backslash but uh, don't you think that if people were really scared and you know people with uh, um, uh, people that were actually holding billions and billions and tens of billions of tether would actually if they were scared would have actually bought Bitcoin or sold it for some other stable coin. That really didn't happen because you can see that the peg, especially you see yesterday, yesterday the market went down a lot. The the tether price was 1.007. Everyone was going to into tether. Why? Because people trust tether. So and the more we are public, the more 
we become solid and people uh, trust us more. You get more, of course, and you get more haters. I mean, it's part of the game. Let's talk about that major crypto market meltdown. We talk on the day after. So a week ago, May 13th, total market cap stood at, what, $2.4 trillion. One week later, which is today, we're speaking today, uh, one week later, it's now $1.6 trillion as we speak. That's a trillion dollars lost for investors around the world. What do, you, what do you think happened in the crypto markets? And what did you experience uh, at Bitfinex? What did you see? I mean, we, we heard the, the moves into Tether, but in your view, what happened? Well, first of all, I believe that uh, um, the market went up a lot in the last uh, four months. And uh, a lot of capital, of course, entered in crypto. But uh, true to be said, also, there, I believe that uh, crypto was over leveraged. So you started getting all these uh, futures, perpetual swaps and so on, and with really high leverage on uh, the, all, all the possible projects, like uh, not just Bitcoin and Ethereum that are pretty solid, well-known with strong fundamentals, but you get uh, actually um, futures with 100x leverage on uh, all the smallest um, coins, or well, let's say the top 100 um, tokens uh, are likely to have a future with uh, from 50 to 100x leverage. And that's kind of risky, right? Because um, you get a lot of inflow due to all uh, of retail due to the um, to the news. Um, uh, we know that Tesla bought uh, Bitcoin, Elon Musk owned Bitcoin personally, and then you get MicroStrategy. There is a big hype that is focused on Bitcoin, but this drags so many other projects. Then are then that make the market really over leveraged because people instead of holding maybe the underlying so the asset directly use uh, futures and uh, leverage products in general. So that basically, so when the, the first time there are a series of news, right? You get uh, Elon Musk that says that uh, Bitcoin is using um, too much uh, uh, dirty uh, electricity. And then you get um, potential China banning again, Bitcoin news. And then uh, oh, oh, if you sum up all these things, uh, many of the retails and new people that enter in this market that were not used 2017, 2018, start to panic and they start to selling, liquidation start to happen. And then you get basically um, a dog that is, uh, eats its own tail, right? So the more liquidation happened, the more they push down the price and then the more liquidation happened and so on. And that is basically what we saw yesterday. With a hover leverage situation, you get a meltdown, as you well described, as we did, uh, we had yesterday. Here's what's interesting: seven and a half billion dollars worth of Bitcoin long positions were liquidated yesterday, May nineteenth. Uh, Three billion dollars in Huobi, uh, a big China exchange. What were investor volumes uh, like at Bitfinex? And and I'm taking a look, um, but of course you're the man who knows. But I'm seeing that it was only a fraction of the sell-off uh, of Bitcoin at other exchanges. Um, but what was your experience at, at Bitfinex? 
So uh, Bitfinex historically has been and is still the, uh, the most liquid exchange for, um, for Bitcoin spot and margin markets. So our, um, our traders, so uh, although we offer a 100x on, um, on leverage on, and we have perpetual swaps as well, uh, our clientele, our user base is more institutional, right? So you don't get people that are longing um, Bitcoin with 50x. There are just a few of them, but with not really big positions. Um, we uh, Bitfinex uh, has positioned itself over the years as the um, place to be for um for professional traders, for high-frequency traders, and so on. So most of the our our traders, our maximum five, uh, that the big whales or the high-frequency traders are really maximum five x leverage. So that means that of course they have to have more collateral on the exchange, but also the risk of this uh, meltdown in liquidations is much smaller. So we we made enormous volume. Yesterday was the biggest uh, the biggest volume we made in all our history um we topped the 7.8 million in spot only a billion sorry in spot only in um the set that we made in december 2017 we were um you could see that actually on on our our books were quite hypnotic yesterday you could see our order books they were like dancing and was was so good to see. We were uh, where there were at some point there was a, um, a wall of one thousand Bitcoin at around thirty seven thousand. That was eaten through really quickly and kept replenished until the 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 user the the the, the, the traders were bought four thousand Bitcoin, and then that wall was completely wiped out and the price went down. Right. So you could see all these dynamics in real time in the market. Was was such so beautiful to see but yeah we are really strong on spot and margin markets where our top margin market that is bitcoin usd has maximum 10x leverage well yes and we have you know, as another offering uh, our perpetual swaps that have 100x but also the perpetual swaps are traded with maximum between 5 and 10x X leverage for for uh, from institutional professional traders. So, so I, I see yeah. that. Yeah, sorry, please. No, no, I I just wanted to to understand that right. Our research showed that just around 103 million uh, sold off long positions in Bitcoin from Bitfinex. What you're telling me is because predominantly you have mostly institutional and professional traders, uh, that kind of uh, sell off. Uh, was kept uh, fractionally lower compared to the rest of the sell-off. Is is this what I'm hearing? That's correct, right? So if uh, if you have users that are uh, leveraged 50x compared to users that are leveraged 5x, um, for if, um, if if the market moves one percent, you liquidate everyone that is basically leveraged 50x, right? So, but it has to move move much uh, more to liquidate someone that is leveraged 5x. And the thing is that uh, if you are if you use less leverage, you have time when the markets move to send more collateral, to add collateral to your position, and um, you have time to deposit Bitcoin, Ethereum, and uh, Tether to support your position. So that's basically um, uh, basic uh, ABC uh, risk management. 
You know, and, and back to uh, the the breakdown of uh, what actually backs uh, USDT. Um, it, it was it's very public. Avanti Financial Group CEO uh, Caitlin Long uh, argued that Tether's reserve actually mattered a lot during the the uh, sell off. Um, and and you know, I'll I'll just have you directly answer. Uh, it's it's really an opportunity here, um, but but when Tether disclosed how it invests reserves and it was a big negative surprise. This this was a, in a tweet, uh, not previously noble uh, at this level of detail. Um, and what uh, why was it a risk? Because now risk managers at crypto hedge funds almost certainly will require haircuts on Tether. Uh, which means traders had to sell uh, crypto to reduce their total risk exposure. How, how, how do you respond to that, that, that actually by revealing what's in your reserves and USDT as people you know, uh, took a look at their own uh, exposure, uh, felt that they had to reduce uh, their total risk exposure because of the portfolio of assets that, that actually back USDT? So I think that uh, there are um, different ways we can respond to this, right? So the the the, the easiest um, thing is to see actual actual um, heads of uh, hedge funds responding to her and uh, with uh, funny memes saying, you know, do you uh, are these uh, risk managers that require a haircut? In, in 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 the room with us now, right? With uh, um, so uh, so and again, did did anyone see the peg of tether moving in any way? I mean, don't you think that if uh, everyone was so scared, we would have seen? First of all, you would see Bitcoin going through the roof, right? So if I have so uh, on Binance, there are like fifteen billion dollars of tether. Why? Instead of having a sell-off, people would people that could have been scared should have bought Bitcoin with those tethers to to avoid or at least at least ten percent right of um, to reduce the risk. You can buy Bitcoin or you can buy another stable coin. But really, if you see the is if you see our competition didn't grow really much and we kept growing after the news of the reserves, right? When we we published the reserves. Uh, breakdown. We were at fifty-six billion. Now we are uh, fifty-eight and a half. So, um, risk manager said this is not the case. There are also people that were really skeptic that that uh, said, "Well, if you if you had such a good portfolio, why didn't you share it before?" So. So we got a lot of positive uh, news, but of course, in 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 the in these situations, uh, uh, haters and people that are against make more noise than people that are supportive. But if you see the thread from Kathleen Long, I think that uh, that you can see many people actually commenting and showing how she's wrong. And also, isn't she doing something that can compete with Tether in Wyoming? So are we sure that there is not, uh, you know, some sort of personal interest in uh, in our in her attack? I don't know. A lot of people, you know what, Paolo, it, 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 to be candid, I mean, a lot of people are paying attention because of just the, the 
obtuseness uh, of where Bitfinex has felt for a lot of people, including the New York Attorney General's office in investigation. We're now past that, right? So, so here we are. Um, so what is the frustration that you have? Number one, what is the frustration that you have most uh, with people's perception of what they think you are and, and, and how would you like that clarified? Um, I think, I think there's, there's just a lot of, there's just a lot, as you said, a lot of noise out there. What is the one that, that bugs you the most that, that you, you'd like to refute very candidly and very clearly? So, um, uh, you know, I, I, uh, in the beginning when I started this role and especially when I become basically the public face of, uh, of the companies. Um, it was really bugging me a lot that people could uh, were attacking us so hard. And, you know, they, some people were actually right. Like asking for more transparency is good. So I think that we have shown, we settled, we did an attestation, uh, we published the, the reserve breakdown, right? So of course people want more and more but it's not that we are doing nothing and people should give us time to, to see if we are still committed and how, what we can do to improve that level of transparency. So the fact that um, we are in this situation now doesn't mean that we are now sitting in our chair looking at the numbers and not doing anything at all anymore, right? So there is still a lot we can do and we are discussing, we will take decisions and we will show to, to, to the community. Now, I believe that we are in on the perfect track of, of, of transparency. Um, so attacking now, saying uh, us saying that, uh, you know, uh, we could have done more. Yes, but look at where we were six months ago. Look at what we did. Look at people were saying, you are, you are going to be dead. You are going uh, to jail. You are you are going bankrupt, and so on. You are not bad, and yet uh, we got regulators looking at our, our numbers. We got um, uh, we got an attestation. We got we published the breakdown. So it's not nothing. It's a lot. It's more than anyone else, and we will continue to do that. So probably the frustration is, and again, but the. I, I was not experienced, right? I code 90% of my time. So public speaking and, uh, and uh, discussing and, and picking fights on Twitter is not really my role. I, I just like what I'm doing. I just, you know, I'm the type of person that just tend to react and I want to be public myself because I, I don't like people and my, my friends, people that work with me, my family, getting attacked and trashed when we are actually doing something really good for, for the ecosystem. We, we, we created the idea of Tether that is you know, the first stablecoin. In 2014, Tether was created. No one knew what a stablecoin was. And today we have central banks talking about stablecoins. We have many competitors and all came from an idea of people that get trashed now. And that, that's so bad, it's just, you know, the misunderstanding is huge. And what I'm doing in the time I'm known code and I don't manage my team is trying to pass this message, right? So uh, is um, we are good people, good people. We have uh, families, we work really hard. We, we basically don't, don't sleep. We do everything that we can to support Bitcoin. So 
uh, I really don't see why all these, uh, uh, I mean, fine, we, you wanted more transparency, here we go, we, you have it now. Now, give us a little bit more time, we will figure out what else we can give to you, we will keep doing that, right? So that, that's basically the message that I think is important to, to share. I guess the next step is an independent audit, uh, and that's been tough to get for any stable coin. In in fairness to the industry, um, where are you on that? Um, so um, we are we are actually uh, working with, to find a company that would uh, work with us to 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 audit our books. And when when do you when do you think we'll see that? Is that a this year thing? Is that something that potentially next year so i think that it's um we are it is is likely that we will um, be able to get an audit by the by next year right so uh, the auditors take a long time also because we don't want to audit only one year but also going back in time uh, a little bit right so uh, that's uh, that's that's really um that's really uh, what we are trying to do now stable coins has just exploded in growth. It has become the conduit for a lot of investors into DeFi. Uh, DeFi giving people the on-ramp to get yield when in the rest of the world that wasn't possible and really creating this, this new metaverse, as it were, of opportunity. Where do you see stablecoins going in DeFi? Um, how, how do you regard the future market in that space? And do you think the regulators are coming? And does that scare you? So, um, first of all, I would like to start from the regulators. I believe that um, uh, regulators will definitely um, look at DeFi projects, right? They they um, hold billions and billions and tens of billions, actually, of dollars under under management in their projects. Um, you know, a simple a simple thing to think about is you you are uh, providing your project is a is basically an automated market maker liquidity provisioning system you can think you you can really think how a regulator can see that as you know imagine to provide liquidity to the wrong set of persons right so regulators want to pre prevent anti money laundering want to prevent terrorism so the fact that there is so much money in uh, in DeFi um, and uh, the fact that uh, there is no any sort of KYC is likely to to trigger uh, at least a review of, of the uh, debt sector of the industry, in my opinion. So, uh, secondly, oh, please. No, no, no. Secondly, uh, go ahead. Secondly, um, I, I think that um, uh, Tether can be can, can have a really interesting opportunity there because I know that there are and we are working with certain projects that are interested to have a KYC version of liquidity pools. So uh, we are working um, with them to provide uh, KYC services, but also to um, to provide uh, potential uh, potentially a, a fast route to uh, to acquire or to to integrate with uh, with Tether. So that that's um, that uh, is really um, what uh, what we think that uh, could be the future for DeFi and stable coins. 
the, the regulators, uh, at least governments, uh, are already stepping in and not yes, not yet on uh, U.S. Uh, stable coins, but uh, right here in Asia, Thailand recently placed a ban on Thai-pegged stable coins. Uh, concerns there because it uh, potentially contradicts uh, efforts uh, by governments and their own central bank-backed digital dollar. Do you think a fight is coming between stable coins and government-backed, central bank-backed digital currencies? Well, I think that the, there won't be um, a fight, right? There is place, space for everyone. I believe that... Um, um, the governments uh, are catching up with the space, and uh, so the easiest thing is uh, trying to place and hold or ban. Uh, but we have seen um, uh, we have seen that uh, many regulators that maybe ban uh, something, they tend then to reanalyze the problem uh, and maybe unban, but regulate. Right. So we want better regulations, clearer regulations. Uh, that's the only way our market will, we, our industry will continue to grow. So, and uh, for people that say, well, when uh, the, you know, there will be an official um, euro uh, stable coin or dollar stable coin and so on, uh, there will not be any more the case for private issued stable coins, not just that, right? There is Paxos, USDC and many others. And I don't believe that that is true. I believe that the um, it is a little bit uh, naive to think that uh, uh, no, the central bank, uh, European bank, will issue an Ethereum, right? So the the uh, the way I see stable coins and government backed stable coins is that actually uh, a stable coin is a digital currency that moves on a blockchain. And before joining Bitfinex and Tether, I worked a lot in hedge funds and with the hedge funds. And my, as a developer, my role was actually um, trying to reconcile, at the end of the day, uh, reconcile the numbers and uh, uh, you know of all the trading activity, all the segments, all the cash movements and so on, right? So. Uh, that um, that process was tedious, and the that was basically one of the reasons why I looked at Bitcoin in the first place. I was looking at Bitcoin saying, okay, this technology is an open ledger, a public ledger. There can be, cannot be errors, right? So uh, there is not, cannot be confusion. So reconciliation is fast, is simple, and is transparent. So imagine if banks, instead of having their complex interbanking mechanism and so on, could use actually a, a ledger, a public blockchain with smart contracts. That would be beautiful. They will the, the cost of maintaining the entire infrastructure will drop down a lot, and uh, the the so the, the maintenance will will be easier. And uh, you know, people can be uh, can can be uh, developers that are actually maintaining that infrastructure can help building more tools, more frameworks on top of it, rather than trying to use rubber and bands and trying to spend their time scratching their head and trying to find the problems that uh, due to some human error, because most of the errors were actually human, at least in my world. Mm. So imagine, so I believe that the governments won't really want to use blockchain as a technology to um, 
to um, uh, bring a new uh, bring freshness to the infrastructure of their digital of their national currencies and um, and then so uh, the rest so but they will have their private blockchain that is a permission blockchain while we expect that our role as privately issued stable coins will be servicing uh, Ethereum, servicing Bitcoin, servicing EOS, and servicing um, uh, Polkadot and Avalanche and so on, mm. right? So you cannot expect um, the, the Central Bank of Euro uh, European Bank to, right. to issue an Avalanche, right? So two, two systems in place. And, and you mentioned the, the government and the need for regulatory clarity in the US. Uh, a proposed legislation called Stable Act which would require stablecoins like Tether to obtain full banking licenses. If they pass that, are you prepared to do something like that or would you not participate in the US market altogether? Well, we are actually not participating in the US market. Um, so um, at the same time, I see a lot of um, concerns from our colleagues from the other uh, stablecoins in the Stable Act. So, I think that, uh, you know, again, there is uh, regulations are welcome, but they should be well taught regulations. So I think that uh, uh, banishing something uh, for not having really well understood it is, is the wrong approach, right? You, you, you really want to uh, analyze uh, the problem well and then regulate it. And we have seen that with Bitcoin, leaving, a, leaving aside Stable coins. We have seen that with Bitcoin, right? Usually is yeah. uh, bam, bam, bam. Then oh, that's a really a nice thing. So okay, let's try to support it. So um, I, I think that will happen the same way with the with uh, with stable coins. Well, Paolo, thank you so much for uh, just spending this much time uh, clarifying and, and being really uh, frank about uh, a lot of the hard questions. Uh, there's no doubt a lot of people still have questions uh, and, and are still seeking a little bit more clarity. Uh, but to your point, we wait. Uh, and so when you have that clarity, uh, the market is, is waiting for it. Uh, until then, uh, the stablecoin market, uh, you, you remain dominant uh, in that space. And I welcome you back anytime, Paolo. This was, uh, it, this was a pleasure. And we really appreciate the opportunity to get on the record with you. Thank you very much, Angie, for, for your time today and for the invite. Absolutely. That was Paolo Ardoino, CTO of Bitfinex and Tether, uh, joining us on this latest episode of Word on the Block. And I want to thank all of you for joining us on this episode. I'm Forecast News Editor-in-Chief Angie Lau. Until the next time. Mm -hmm.